um, my experience as my own podcast has been mostly audio, but even now I'm doing video for my own show too. Just because it's like, there's so many other things you can do with it. If you look at um, how uh, YouTube is changing, YouTube's actually integrating with Chartable now. Um, and they're bringing more podcast analytics tools to the platform. They're, they're, they're partnering with who? Chartable? They're, they're making like a integration with mm -hmm. Chartable. So that now you can like- What is Chartable? So good point, good question. So Chartable is a software that is like an analytics software. So if you say put a little uh, tracking pixel from Chartable on your podcast, they can track like the demographics of your, of your listeners. They can track the rankings of your podcast. They can track um, where people are in the world, when they're listening, uh, when they're listening, but how they're listening and all this other good stuff. So it's an analytics tool. And if you look at even YouTube, they actually leaked, I don't know if you saw this or heard this, they leaked like a 84-page uh, slide deck of how they're going to start bringing in podcasts into the fold. So the the future definitely, in my opinion, is in video podcasts from what YouTube's doing. We have Luis Diaz from Top 10 Podcasts. So, Luis, I want to be clear. The reason I want to have this conversation, I think it's important for guys like us that are in the, in the space of podcasting. Oh, yeah. To give out as much value and information as possible because I think the more people that get involved, the more we bring the culture up, the more we enhance stuff. So, But I want to start from the beginning, Luis. I know, right? You didn't know you were coming here for that, <laughs> but that's what we're going to do. So, born and raised where? West Palm Beach. So born and raised. Oh in no, sorry, time? not no, no. I was born in New York, uh -huh. but seven years old, I came out. I came down here to Florida. Mom and dad in the home. Mom and dad, yeah, yeah. Both immigrant parents said. Where? Uh, my dad's from DR, Dominican Republic, okay. and my mom's from England. Haitian, so I know where DR is. I have yeah, and my brother in law is Haitian. So you got a whole, I got, a I got lot of sauce in your house, boy. I could only <laughs> let me imagine. Tell you. <laughs> um, how, how was it growing up here in Palm Beach? Starting, you know. Mm. From moving from New York straight down here. Yeah, it was, I didn't know too much about New York. So it was kind of like, I start. I feel like I started in West Palm Beach, which was cool, which yeah. was cool. But you get used to like New York. You don't have, you know, there's such a melding. You'd have a melding pot, but I didn't have a melding pot in New York. So melding pot here in Florida, West Palm, you had just so many different nationalities and people you, you mm -hmm. ran into, um, which was great exposure. Cause you, you come here to West Palm is different from the North. There's like, you have your, diversity in new york but it's a different level here in in my in, in, in west palm beach 100%. or south florida so it was good man we we so i'm a re i grew up in a restaurant family okay. so it was like like they bought a business my parents put like all their money into a business and they're like we're gonna figure it out and make it work <laughs> and what kind of what kind of food italian food yeah 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 they just what they did they um came here bought a business with all their savings from the house they sold um, and literally just said, all right, we're going to keep everything the same because it was a, running well at the time, the business at, at the, we bought and they just, all four kids, we all worked. You had no choice. Uh, really. uh, no choice. Absolutely that's no choice. That's how you're able to live in the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's rent. Um, yeah. You come home from school, you do homework and as you get old enough, 13, 14, 15, you start working in the family business and, um, we all did that. So that was. How was it working in the family business? Learning. Like what's the. You learn how to deal with people. You learn how to get chewed out on the phone. I think that was one of the best, like, 
one of the best things I ever learned early on was like how to handle like when a customer's upset. How do you handle someone who's really upset and really, really not happy? Right. <laughs> how to defuse the how to defuse the um, the situation and how to handle and, and manage people and care about them. Um, you know, so so I think growing up in the family business, there's a lot of like learning lessons. Like I didn't learn finance or didn't learn like marketing. That was like college and like what I'm doing now. But but yeah, I think that was for me the biggest thing. I was gonna say, was there any training of this is what you gotta do, Lewis, or <laughs> figure it out, Lewis? It was it was you start at stocking the you start at stocking sodas in the in the front. Sodas and chips and taking out the garbage and sweeping the floor. And then you move up to like answering phones. And then taking orders on the phones and you move up from there to making the subs and the sandwiches and the pizzas and the bread, making the pastries. And then you kind of do all of it afterwards. And then they put me in a position where like I was like high school, I was doing the closing at the store. So I counted the money. I did the, I did all the, the like bring the accounts up and all that stuff. So I, at 16, 17, I was closing the store three, four nights a week. Um, and then, yeah, I figured that's what I want to do for my life. So, so do you believe the entrepreneurial spirit that you have starts from that because you saw it in mm -hmm. your home growing up or I think it was all I knew. It was like, you fit, you get a, you buy a business, which I don't think I love my parents. But I don't think they did it right per se. Mm -hmm. I think I learned the incorrect way to do it, but it got, it worked for them. You know what I mean? A different generation, different, different mindset. It worked for them. Um, I learned what it could be. Uh, I think through other mentors, but I, I just like, so the entrepreneur thing to answer your question. Yeah. Like it was a, it was what we knew. And I always told you can get a job and that was great. And if I had a half a million dollar year accounting job right now, I'd be happy too. Locked in. You know? I, know, I, I, I say it every You know day. what I mean? Like people think entrepreneurship is all, it, it's great, but it's not for everybody. And if, 100%. you know, so I, I always, I realized like I could do this thing if it's not going to be easy seeing how my parents did it or I can go get a job, but I got a job. So I used to work at the breakers, you know, you know, in, in West mm -hmm. Pond, one of the biggest, best um, uh, hotels there is. I worked there and I was like, I don't like someone controlling my schedule or getting calls on when I'm off saying, Hey, Lewis, can you come in? Cause so-and-so left. I'm like, I don't like this. So I actually, you know, after doing that for a little bit and kind of doing the restaurant thing with my parents, and then in college, I did the internship with the breakers. I, um, I was like, I'm going to try something else. So, so yeah, I just started, I realized like what I wasn't happy at, which was kind of doing the, doing the like employee thing. And that just wasn't for me. So from there I went to um, being a personal trainer. So that was. So how important is it? You believe, I mean, do you believe that is a, a main factor of when you found out what you like and what you didn't like? Was that the shift for you? Yeah. 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 I was like, I hate doing this. I'm miserable. Um, but let me go try something that I actually like doing, which at the time was like exercise and running and, and, and fitness. And I was like, uh, maybe I can make a business out of this, you know, train people. Cause I started getting questions naturally, you know, it's like people with podcasts and they see you podcast and they ask you questions. So, um, that's what it was. Like, I just started to figure out, I gravitated what was to what I liked mm -hmm. and what was fun for me as opposed to like, this is miserable. <laughs> like yeah. Working on weekends, nights, Christmas, every one year I worked on Christmas and I remember driving to work at the breakers and I was like, never again. I am never doing this again. I'm not working on Christmas. I think I actually cried just because I felt like, I, not like I felt like a failure. I just felt like this is not what I want for my life, man. Like I'm not doing this. And you believe that was the shift? I believe that was one of the, the things I'll never forget. Like I was like this, I'm not, I'm not doing this restaurant thing. I love what I learned in my parents' business. I love what I'm learning here, but this is not where I'm going to be happy. 
And, and then when you went to school, what did you study in school? So I studied restaurant and hospitality. I went to UCF, okay. um, got a degree in hospitality. And uh, from there, I was just like, I got, I got the degree and then I didn't use it. I was just like, eh, like, it's great to have this piece of paper. I loved UCF. Go Knights. So shout out to the Knights. Clear. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so represent the Knights. But um, I got out of there and I was just like, I saw my other classmates doing hotel jobs and doing, they went to like nightclubs and they went to restaurants, worked their way up the train. They're trained. They're, some of them are successful now, but I was just like, man, like, I don't think the restaurant industry is for me. So I was like, this is great. And, all, and then it was a funny thing. It was a funny thing, Beethoven. I actually dropped out of the entrepreneurship program. And and it's funny because like now that's what we're doing, right? right so right. It, it's um I they gave they had like a couple of semesters. Like I did a minor in it, and I was like, I never finished it though. Why? Why did you drop out? Because I had one more class to go, and I wasn't gonna spend an entire semester just to do one class. So I was like, I was like, forget this. Like I'm out. I learned some things. Great. I'm just gonna go figure this out on my own. So that coming out of college in Orlando, that's what I did. I came back here, West Palm, started to um train people. And like a, and like fitness on the fitness side, so personal training and whatnot at LA Fitness. Um, and then I realized what I can do, and I was like, if I put some marketing with this, I'm seeing these guys online right now making half a million, two, three, four million dollars. At the time, this was 2015, so this is like when like email marketing was still easy, was way easier than it is now. Um, it's when uh, there wasn't as many like FTC rules and regulations; it was a bit easier. So I saw these guys making money online. And I'm like doing personal training and selling stuff. So I was like, here I am now at LA Fitness. I'm like, I like this. This is cool, but I want to make more money. Like, let me see if I can do it on my own and just train people, use, use the internet um, and try and build a, like a platform. a platform, build some kind of study client base that I can live off of. So how was your parents when you started doing all this shit? <laughs> Man, let me tell you, my dad asked me today, he's like, what's the name of your company? What do you do? <laughs> my father does the today, same thing. Today. today. So yeah. Yeah, you get what it. Do you really, like, you really work? Like, you actually get paid for this? <laughs> you get it. Yeah, yeah. They're from the same island, so they have, you know what I mean? You kind of understand what's going on. Like, yeah. You really do this for a living. Yeah, exactly. So, so they were still supportive, though. My mom was. My dad was like, look. He doesn't get it. You stay out of trouble. You do your thing. I don't know what you're doing, but you're not even doing drugs or yeah. getting arrested. And I see you working hard. So he didn't like ask or probe, but he was like, I see you doing, trying to make something happen. So fine. I get that. But my mom was always like inquisitive and asking and she was, you know, you know, she was supportive. Brothers and sisters? My sisters work for me. Well, one of them works for me. One of the ones part-time. Um, wow. And my brother's a nurse. He took a complete opposite route. And I was like, God yeah, bless you, man. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not slicing anybody open. <laughs> right, 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 right. He went that route. Yeah. So that's powerful. So you were able to build something in the industry. How did you fall into podcasting? This is where this is where health and fitness, this is where it kind of combines. So I was a pretty much a broke trainer. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I had some clients, but I still live in my parents' house. Like, okay. I wasn't wasn't making them, you know, enough to afford. I know a couple of those. Live, live on my own. So I was, um, I met a mentor who through my mom, she's like, hey, Louis, she called me one day. She's like, Louis, I have a customer here in the bakery. He's a friend of mine. He does this online marketing thing I think you want to get into. And um, he's open to meeting with you. So my mom calls me one day and says like, this, I guess this digital marketer wants to meet with me or he's open to it. So I go and meet the guy, super successful guy. He does like mergers and acquisitions for like big, big companies in the internet marketing space. So I'm like, whoa, like this is amazing. So this guy, um, he recommends me. He's like, Louis, like, you need to basically create content. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm already doing Facebook and 
right? You know, you know, haphazardly doing Facebook posting and whatnot. At the time, this is 2016. Um, he's like, why don't you do podcasts? He's, I'm like, because he can tell I could talk. Like, you know, I'm not good at video. I'm not good at writing. So I'm like, okay, let me try it. So I bought an $11 course on Udemy. And uh, <laughs> I taught myself how to do podcasting. And from there, I made a ton of mistakes, but I launched my podcast about two months after that, after that conversation, using an $11 course. And from there, I started just to like create content. Now, the first podcast failed miserably, uh, um, which, which, is, which is totally fine for me. And this is a fun what story. What steps you believe you did wrong? I made it too complicated. So that the, pro the problem was my process took me about six to eight hours to make one, one episode. So I was doing interviewing, the recording, or the, the, the scheduling, the interviewing, the production, the assets, the, the quality check, the posting, the follow-up with the guests, and all that stuff. So, and I was slow. Like, I was still learning editing. So, it's like, you know, hour-long interview takes three hours for me to probably edit. So, I was doing that. And I was like, man, this is another job. I'm like, this is crazy. So, I failed. So, I, I, I gave up after like 14 episodes. Um, and I, but I knew I had something there because I saw the numbers like go up up and to the right pretty fast. I just didn't have the time to commit to it. And I was like, like, I got to stop because I got to make money. But I knew something was there. So I took a few months off and I came back and I was like, okay, I, I listened to, at the time in 2016, I was listening to a lot of uh, Tim Ferriss. So four hour work week, like what does it look like if it's easier? Trying to simplify it in my brain because I knew I had something going there. But I was like, okay, if I could make this simpler and make the process easy, what would it look like? And I figured that out and it was me doing solos, not interviews and talking about the, what the audience wanted to hear, not myself. So I changed, I started going, going Reddit forms, Reddit forms and like Quora and looking at like, well, if I'm selling to guys who want to get six pack apps, what are they asking? I started to look at all the questions they were asking on these forums and I would just make a podcast episode of every single mm -hmm. one of them. Smart. And, and literally in, in 2016, 2017 at the time, there wasn't many people, there was people doing it. But I was just more dialed in and focused for them. And I've real, I figured out the content process where I could do three episodes a week as opposed to one. You good. Um, so that was, that was that. So I was able to triple my output of content episodes and I dialed in it to where I'm like, I'm not talking about anything I care about. I'm not bringing on a guest. I'm just doing five to 10 minutes. Just talking about what they had. To, what just was teaching. the question? Just teaching. Yeah. <coughs> and my downloads went from, I restarted a new show. So it went from zero to 19,000 downloads in about eight months. For, uh, yeah, so, so $19,000 per month. Do you believe month. niching down was part of your success? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, because I was not much different from any other personal trainer out there. I could still teach them do the, the nutrients, the macros, all the same things. However, my thing was I focus on helping guys get six-pack abs. So if, if somebody came to me with that problem, and you put me in front of 10 other trainers, I'm the only one talking about it specifically. So that helped me stand out from the crowd. So the marketing and how I positioned myself at that second time around was pivotal. And I still, we still teach this to clients today, like niching down. And I get it. Like not everyone, everyone feels like, you know, I'm going to pigeonhole myself. I don't want to, mm -hmm. you know, go do that. And um, I think, you know, niching down helped me get known. And then afterwards I was able to broaden my scope and start to reach more people. But I had the name and I, kind of put my stamp, my flag in the ground saying, this is what I do. And that helped me a lot. So the sort of importance of niching down is the game changer also. For me, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In my, in my story, yes. Um, if you're like someone who's massive already, you've got, you know, tons of followers, email subscribers, YouTube followers, you can probably start broader. But if you're someone who 
no name, no credibility. Um, you know, people, you're not a household name. You, I, my, my advice is always to niche down and get known for one thing before you get known for everything. So when somebody come to you, like, for example, I'm asked this question all the time and Mm -hmm. you know, how do I start podcasting? And Mm -hmm. now there's two, there's video podcasting and there's podcasting, but overall, what's the first step with somebody do to start podcasting? It's a great question. So for me, I just kind of step, take them step back and say, okay, so why do you want to start podcasting? Because a podcast can look like a lot of different things. I got, I know friends who do 30 episodes a week and it's a sales tool for them. Whole other conversation of a podcast. You know, we have people who do it once a month and it's like more of an informational, it's almost like an audio newsletter. So it's just, I always ask them, like, I kind of throw it back and say, well, why? Because that question of like, do I want to make money? Do I, do I'm using it for something completely different? That's going to dictate how the conversation starts. So if it's like, Hey, I want to build my brand and grow my business, probably like the most generic answer we get. Um, I would start with, okay, well, what, what exactly are we talking about here? And why is it different from the other 37 podcasts that already talk about this in the marketplace? So yeah, sorry. No, I just start, I just try to start and figure out what's their differentiation. Like what's their point of differentiation that we can make unique. So what value they could bring into the industry, whatever they're in or wherever their space is. 100%. So, so then another big question I'm asked all the time is the monetizing side. How do I, how do I make money on podcasting? Yeah. Yeah. And, And this for me always comes down to the business model. So it's like, there are people right now making money by telling their guests, Hey, like, for a thousand extra dollars, we can blast this out to ten thousand people for your with your product. You can make money off off of that. You can also make money off of, um, for example, like selling uh, affiliate product. We have a client right now; they're doing like ten grand a month um, just through sponsors and sending and selling in like uh, other people's products through their podcast. It's like so. It, it's it, there's so many different ways, but I think it always depends on the business model the person has. So typically, for people like work working or helping a client with monetization, it's, it's like, what's the business model? Cause if you're like, you're selling eBooks, I'm not going to really try and, and, and have you get a bunch of guests on and sell your guests on some higher ticket service. Cause your business is set up selling eBooks and email marketing. So we need to facilitate that part of it. You know, we don't want to kind of go in a whole different direction and try and get you monetizing something else. Cause there's a whole other, whole other department and problems and, and infrastructure you got to build. Yeah. So, and another thing I'm realizing that is another conversation, mm-hmm. which is an important conversation, separating your podcast from a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I got a good friend in the industry. He says, you got to love it like a hobby, treat it like a business. And I'm like, man, that is good advice. But I think that's true. Like, if you don't treat this like a business, like, how do you expect it to, give, to make money for you? You know, if you do it once every other month <laughs> and, right. you, and you don't promote it and you you haphazardly, you know, you know, uh, take care of it. You're not organized. You know, I don't think it can work like that. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good point you bring up there. So, and, and, and then even just, you know, I want to have this, once again, the reason of having this conversation is from both of us in the space of podcasting, you're in the audio space, audio and, and video, video yeah, and audio video, video space. Yeah. Yeah. We're, which we are both, but we specialize in the content, the, the production side right. of video and, and and then also creating all the other resources and tools that's needed mm-hmm. to create the brand, to create the show from 
from creating the content, distributing the content, the space, the, you know, mm-hmm. all. So when it comes down to the video podcasting and the audio podcasting, the space, could you speak a little bit about your experience in both and where the world, you know, where the industry is going? It's definitely going to video. Um, my experience as my own podcast has been mostly audio, but even now I'm doing video for my own show too. Just because it's like, there's so many other things you can do with it. If you look at um, how uh, YouTube is changing, YouTube's actually integrating with Chartable now. Um, and they're bringing more podcast analytics tools to the platform. They're, they're, they're partnering with who? Chartable? They're, they're making like a integration with mm-hmm. Chartable. So that now you can like- What is Chartable? So good point, good question. So Chartable is a software that is like an analytics software. So if you say put a little uh, tracking pixel from Chartable on your podcast, they can track like the demographics of your sh- of your listeners. They can track- the rankings of your podcast, they can track um, where people are in the world, when they're listening, uh, when they're listening, but how they're listening and all this other good stuff. So it's an analytics tool. And if you look at even YouTube, they actually leaked, I don't know if you saw this or heard this, they leaked like a 84 page uh, slide deck of how they're going to start bringing in podcasts into the fold. So the the future definitely, in my opinion, is in video podcasts it's from what YouTube's doing, which is like the second largest so what are some of the things that they leak on that 84 page? That's, that's Yeah, good. I'll send you the link if you want. Um, Please. So they are, they actually have their own page. They have like a, if you go to like, it's like youtube.com forward slash podcast. It's like a test page right now, but they're, they're going to have like a home page when it looks like for podcasts. So that's a really cool thing. Um, another thing around, uh, one of the things they talked about was those integrations that we just mentioned. So they're bringing in tools to actually like, you know, um, be able to track your podcast on, on uh, YouTube. And then the only thing I, I think I can remember here is they actually hired a, a head of like podcasts, like a, like a C, like a, a C-suite executive for this division. They brought him on in 2001. So if they're bringing a guy on to do this, like they're going to be serious. I'm going to see. The industry is, yeah. is wide open. Yeah. And, and within that, what, what does the business model look like in, in, in video podcasting and podcasting part of the monetizing? But my, my question I'm having, my question is, when it comes to video podcasting and the future of podcasting, where do you see it? Like, what do you see it? Like, what does it look like? I think, I mean, it's so hard, but, um, to, to see, cause everyone's different, but I see it as if you're an expert coach consultant or somebody who has a, a voice who wants to share it, it's going to be video podcasts and then taking that video podcast and distributing it on obviously all the places you normally would, but then also being, having a team like yourself, like yours, um, to actually be strategic around like taking clips out and putting it on social platforms or transcribing it and using it for emails. And I think there's there's that already, but it's going to get more and more sophisticated and more and more well thought out and planned. So there will be a time in my belief in the future where you can do one interview and that can turn into very well thought out content for every other channel. I think we're there in some, some regards, but I don't think we're there yet. Um, cause you see some AI tools nowadays. Um, there's actually a, a, a company called cap show recently tested out that you put their, your podcast in there. They'll create like LinkedIn long form posts. They'll create emails. They'll create titles. They'll create TikTok uh, captions, Instagram captions, Facebook captions. It's insane. Wow. So I think like all of that technology is going to get better. And then agencies like yours and mine are going to get more smart and are smarter, um, around like how to strategically break down content. So we do an interview and that becomes all of our content. I think it's there again, but the systems and the technology is going to, you know, in the next couple of years, it's going to get really dialed in mm-hmm. to where it's seamless. So do you believe that, like, some of these deals also that I'm watching, like, there's a show um, under um, Barstool Sports, Gillian Wallow. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So the name of their show, oh my gosh, I don't know what. Million dollars worth of game. They just got a deal for a hundred million dollars. And they've yeah. probably been doing it for two to let's call it five and, and right. was five years. Right. What's your thoughts about getting a hundred million dollar contract <laughs> well, for video podcast? Well, well, I think it is. I think it's like this. I think brands are smart and they're like, look, we could pay Facebook a hundred mil or over the next couple of years and run ads, or we could pay this company a hundred mil, sponsor the dang show. And now we're borrowing the trust of the hosts because they have a bunch of people who already love, know, like, and trust them. So now we're going to buy the trust instead of paying Facebook or YouTube or wherever, we're just going to buy the trust. And it's, and it's much easier that way um, to get people to know, like, and trust your brand. If you're sponsored, then opposed to doing direct, you know, cold Facebook ads or YouTube ads, like no lie though, those work. My, my, you know, I run a lot of ads for our business. So, um, you know, I think the brands are getting smarter and they're diversifying their, their like, uh, their advertising mix. And they're like, Hey, like these sponsors already, these people, these hosts already have the trust of these thousands of people. Why don't we just go, you know, work with them and have them promote our stuff. So you think this is the beginning for a lot more shows getting these larger deals? I think so. I think so. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to see it. And I think also it'll be a trickle down effect. Like they'll move, they'll move from the hundred million dollar deals and they'll say, Hey, what about these smaller micro influencers or micro influencers? that are podcasts mm -hmm. and they'll start to work on work with those guys too. So what, what do you think it takes to get to that point to get those hundred yeah. million dollar contracts? Well, I think you gotta be in a, in a probably at, at, at this stage, you probably need to be inside of a, like a, um, a network like, like Barstool because Barstool probably already has all the connections and they are know all the other executives of these companies. So being in a network like that, I think automatically puts you a step up. That's one thing. Um, and then the next thing you just gotta have really great numbers. Like I don't know, and I don't know their numbers for that that company in particular or that podcast in particular. But I mean, you've got to be doing serious numbers to where a company's looking at you and saying, "We could pay X on Facebook and hit the same amount of people." You know, it's like you have Facebook and podcast sponsorships. Let's just say, for example, you could pay Facebook to reach all these people cold, or you can get a warm and Dutch endorsement from this these guys over here, and then they introduce your brand to millions of people. So it's like, hey, like I think it's probably easier to do it that way. And it's probably for a longer term deal. So do you believe the podcaster that is creating their brand, their brand identity, and really making that the focus, you believe that's a strategy, that's probably one of the best strategies for them to do before they go and pitch companies? Explain brand focus. Like so like their their brand identity, meaning like who they are, how they're doing, you know, their numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, creating the best content there is, creating behind the scene content, more relationship. But they're aggressively building their brand. Mm -hmm. Do you believe it's important for people to invest in that before they go into pitching to a company like I, you know, Barstool or someone right. else? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The the way I don't know the sponsorship or like the network side too mm -hmm. well, but from what I do know, it's like those those networks are looking for podcasts that are investing and that are like growing and that are unicorns. You know, I know HubSpot, for example, they have like their own, like they have like an incubator for podcasts now, which is really cool. I don't know if you've heard wow. of that, but like, but they're doing, so it's not their network. It's actually like a incubator where they get you ready for their network. So they're like prepping you to be a part of their network and then they're going to sell ads mm -hmm. in your podcast. Smart. So, so, you know, you know, these, these, to answer your question, yes, absolutely. Cause I don't think there's any other way to get involved in any of those networks without having, Showing that you're investing, you have a professional show, you show up, you you put in the work, you're consistent, and you have a following, you know, 
and hopefully other assets like an email list and social social channels. So that's the only way I can see it work. Um, to, from from yeah, based on the question. You know, so another thing I'm watching in the industry is you know, I I'm watching a lot of great women shows. Like they're you know you know I think women is a secret for 2020 forever. Um, I'm watching a lot of great women come together and creating great shows. Yeah. Do you think that the space is, I don't, I don't want to call it easier for them or, or what do you believe their secret sauces of getting like, like I'm, I, for some, like I said, I'm seeing a lot of it. Yeah. Great women show. I don't know if it, they're getting more attention or right. their viewpoints. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that is even a, um, a secret to it, but right. <laughs> you know. I think, uh, I mean, you see a lot of them like, so there's way more women uh, entrepreneurs that are like speaking their, you know, their truth or True. speaking their words and really, you know, putting themselves out there as opposed to in the past. Mm-hmm. So I think now it's just like, we're, we're kind of getting used to it now, but it's still, still newer than what we've seen in the past. So um, I think that it's, it's a new, it's a new thing and they have a different perspective. And I think that's really cool because I, I've listened to, we bought probably both listened to a lot of like, maybe male dominated like podcast, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, and to hear other strong female founders come out and share what they're going through, and how it's different. Cause it's definitely a different perspective and experience. It's really cool. Um, I think a smart company or network will try and scoop all of them up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's probably a lot of them different and, and you know, a lot of different ones doing that right now, but yeah, I so- think, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be, a, I think it's a big thing. Another thing yeah. we were talking about earlier was people that's actually doing it from home. Yes. Oh, you yeah. know, what does that look like for the future? You know, because I think there's a cell phone um, podcast and then there's the production. Right. You know, full production crew. Right. What's your thoughts on that? So remember, around, well, I don't know, I wasn't around when this happened, but TVs were way, way bigger. Yes. You know, like TVs were massive. Um, computers were massive when they first started. You needed like a PhD to, to work one. Right. Same thing with like, um, you know, the early in the in 1980s or 1990s, like you didn't have cell phones to create content. You had, you had to go to a, get hire a PR agent, get on TV and that was the whole thing. So just like, you know, and same with podcast studios, like it just gets more and more accessible to more and more people. So I think the, the tools will definitely get better. Um, but there will always be the, the, the people who say, I want to pay for speed and knowledge and access versus people who say, I want to figure this out on my own and I want to do it at home and I want to do it on a budget. There's always going to be those two groups of people, no matter how good the technology is to where like right now, like you can Google how to start a podcast. There's a million blogs on it. There's a million people talking about it for free on, on social media. However, people will still pay a lot of money to get it done for them. <laughs> there's <laughs> because, a difference also. You know, it, there's a huge difference. Exactly. So, so I, um, it's going to be the the whole home podcasting thing is going to definitely be a, a, a here to stay because you can build out a really cool studio. If you have the space and the time, you can get the mics, you can get all the things you need from Amazon. Like there's no shortage of that. The question will be, do you want to invest your time or your money in building out your dream or your podcast? There's, That's there's a huge difference. Oh yeah. Yeah. And what, you can see it from quality from people who work to tell the difference. Yeah. What are some of the big differences for you? That you see, I think for me, I see a lot of people that start with the home for, because of a hobby, because mm-hmm. it looks easy. It looks like everybody could do it until there's time to edit, um, producing the actual content, yep. creating the short clips, the, the social clips, 
um, the platform actually goes on there. Like, is it is it going on the website after you have, you know, the merge, the monetization? There's so many other aspects of just doing it from home. Yeah. That once you decide you want to make this a business, w- once you realize you want to make podcasting a business, from video podcasting to audio or both, right? I believe you need to create the actual platform, the systems, how to execute yep. to also monetize. Because after it becomes a hobby, you're going to get burnt out. <laughs> yeah. You're going to put it away. You don't mm-hmm. want to play with it no more. You're tired of that game. But once you realize it's an actual business and you started creating a formula in the system of how to actually plan it, develop it, and execute it, mm-hmm. sky's the limit to what you could do with podcast. Like For I said, sure. like I was telling earlier with my other interview, you can't unsee a $100 million deal. So once you see that, you know their story of how they got there. Yeah. You know, of course, you know, not everybody could do it, but you could get close. Yeah, absolutely. My question would be, I'll, I'll be curious to figure out how much the money they invested in it to, to get that deal. Now, there's, you know, there's no right. guarantee the of network, that deal. They, they, I think there's a couple things. I think with them, they also had the network, the access to relationship. I think all absolutely. those things play a role. Um. I'm talking even just for ourselves. I mean, we own the studio, so it's a little different from us. So our investment, 10x the average person investment, because but we do this for a living. We produce for people. Right. But I'm why I truly believe to like if you know if you go buy a restaurant, you're probably gonna put a hundred thousand plus into it. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you should come into podcasting the same way. I like that. I like that. I'm gonna I use it, that. I think it's really what it is. <laughs> yeah. Think yeah. about it. if you open up a restaurant for a hundred thousand, you know, your goal is to get into a certain like mm-hmm. to me. I think if you're going into video podcasting, if you're going to podcast production, mm-hmm. think about all the platforms are setting up for this. Mm-hmm. YouTube is setting up for it. And if YouTube are, is investing in it, there's something yeah, there. Yeah. And there's a, there's a thing about YouTube too. There's an automatic play to make money with YouTube right away. YouTube AdSense. Like there's guys, I had a buddy who was, he had a channel that was doing like 10K a month in just YouTube AdSense. That paid for that paid for his rent. That paid for his production. That paid for his thing about Bro. it. Like sitting, <laughs> click a button, it goes. Yeah, I think for me, just imagine the world is shifting this way. I think content is king. So you have if you spe- like I think if you're a doctor, you specialize in certain things, certain tips, trick, whatever. You can niche down and give that information out all day long mm-hmm. and turn that into a video podcasting. And I think there's the platform that's ready for it. Yep, they're building an infrastructure for this. We saw what the pandemic did. You know, it gave people the clarity of content is king. Yep. So now what's happening, I think more and more are creating content. But the video podcasting side, I believe if you're coming into it, I also respect the people that's doing it from home. Yeah. Like, I understand. You know, I understand the budget. If you're doing it from your cell phone, I appreciate it. I understand. But I think it's knowing there's steps to grow mm-hmm. and finding the right companies like yourself and what we got of getting more value. Yeah, absolutely. understanding you know your company, um, top ten podcasts. Explain what you guys do so people could also understand. Yeah, yeah. What you guys do in top ten podcasts? Yeah, so you know it started out of an idea of me being frustrated because I was like I couldn't I can't do this all myself, so I had to hire out, learn how to hire all these people and places, and that way I could just do what I want to do, which is the recording. Um, it started out of frustration for that, but um, essentially what we do is help people the strategy of like how to position themselves uniquely in the marketplace. Um, launching their show, getting them ranked in the top 100 when they launch. That's a big part of what we do. Um, and then producing, helping them market the show afterwards. So after they're done launching, working with them to market and grow the podcast after that. So we're kind of like full service production agency. Um, 
but online. So we don't have a studio or anything. All of our right, clients right, right. are- Which all is our, important. Yeah, all of our clients are doing it online or doing it at home. Like they have a studio, like a separate, like a home mm-hmm. studio or something, or they're going to a studio like this and then we're doing the, everything else after that. So imagine if you're able to put production like this in the studio and what you're doing, how that organization could excel. Absolutely. And I think the people that's, that's leaving, you know, a lot of people are leaving their nine to five where they're doing, they're doubling down on themselves just for them to have a platform that could actually do it and be successful. The same way you take a loan out to do a mechanical shop. Mm -hmm. It's the same business model. Yep. Like we're watching deals happen from this and you're bringing value. The moment you're able to bring value into industry, you're able to charge for that. Yep. yep able exactly. To, to monetize that. And, and where, where I see the industry going is more and more people should come into this and look at it as a business. Yeah. Other than just a hobby. If yep. they want to make it money off of it. Absolutely. I think a lot of people want to make money off of it, but they want to do it as a hobby. I don't know that many people. I mean, of course, a lot of people get lucky, you know, rolling out hobbies and get lucky and, you know, make money from it. But I truly think in order for us to build success out of the podcast spaces, turning it into a business model, you know? Yeah. And and that's, I think that's a big, that's a great thing you bring up there. It's like, I, I get that all the time. Like people come in, they want to launch a podcast because they think it's going to be automatic money. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa you, gotta, you need a business model first. So it's like, well, what are we selling? And then the the podcast can definitely make you money, but we need to know like, how is it going to make you money? Are you going to do sponsors? Are you going to sell affiliate products? Are you going to charge your guests? Are you going to sell high ticket coaching courses, consulting, whatever? Like we got to figure out that part first or, or along the way so that the podcast can actually deliver those things. Right. Um, but I, I agree with what you're saying, man. I think that's you, if you look at it as a business and invest in it like a business, it will work. But a hobby and they expect you to deliver an ROI like a business is not going to work. What What are some of the things you've been seeing that actually work better than mo? You know than others. You know, is it having high ticket items to sell after? Is it advertising space? Like, what do you think has been working most better for most people? In my market, in my kind of corner of the internet, um, I see high ticket coaching and events. So, like, experience mm-hmm. working working really well. So selling events and selling high ticket coaching on your podcast, if you have some kind of expertise or, or sellable, you know, information, then that was what I see working. Um, you can sell that on a podcast a number of different ways. I mean, you can sell it. Like if you bring on guests who are your ideal customer, obviously you can have a great conversation with them and then you can see if they're open to, or you can help them with a certain problem. And if you can solve that problem and charge for it, then that's your, you can do that as a model. You can also, um, you know, sell high ticket courses or, you know, courses through, you know, if, if you came on my show, for example, and you had a, a course and I have an email list, I could sell that. So now if I'm a podcast host and you have a product, I can be your affiliate and make money off of make commissions and not do anything, which is, <laughs> which is pretty nice. Um, you know, so there's, there's, I, for me, when I see um, selling things like that, as opposed to the sponsors is easier. Now, when you get more established and you build that following, I think sponsors is a great thing to tack on. You know, and we've seen people make anywhere from four to $10,000 a month extra when they have a sponsorship, a good sponsor in place, right? And they built a following, they put in the work, they've invested in their podcast, um, you know? So at first, high ticket coaching, and then as you get better and you bigger, more established, then you can, I, I'd personally say, you can layer on sponsors. So if somebody come to you, what's the first step, what they have to do to get, so you can service them? How does your process work? From like lead to lead to like acquisition. So if or, I contact you, what do I get? And how does your company work out? That's what I'm trying to. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first, what we typically do for us, we have a 90-day process. So our 90-day process takes you from idea to launching your podcast. That's what we want to accomplish in those 90 days. Um, typically, it, it's going to occur over a number of calls. We're going to kind of unpack your expertise, unpack your value. What is it you want to talk about? How are we going to position you differently in the marketplace? From there, we're going to build out all the visual branding and assets. We've got a team of like copywriters and designers that are going to help really put your idea to life, right? So um, the art, everything from the design, the artwork, these templates and assets that you're going to use on social, how people are going to recognize you, all that um, is going to be built out throughout those weeks. And then the next phase is going to work and we're going to move into is really helping you with the episode planning. So episodes one to 10 or however many you're doing, we're going to help you figure those out. Um, Cause I feel like a lot of people like content creation sounds easy. It's like, Oh, I'm just going to turn on the mic and we're going to go. And, and it's not. <laughs> so that's a big piece. Um, just helping people figure out, okay, what exactly you're going to talk about is going to attract your ideal customer. Cause I don't want to attract anybody. I want to attract the people who you can probably sell to or help the most. Right. And usually that's the same person. So, so unpacking those episodes and, and kind of helping them dial those in, um, then recording. So for us, it's like our clients are all over the place. So they're going to record at their home or their local studio or wherever. And then we're going to take that, take that content, produce it, do all the social, um, or the YouTube video. And then also the TikTok reels and other things that they want, show notes, et cetera. Are you so, giving them the tools to do that or to actually like, um, like the hardware? Yeah. The hardware. Um, I think we, yeah, we used to, so we were kind of pivoting and figuring out like everyone's different and everyone, not everyone uses the same equipment, right? Like we have a recommended equipment list for people. Like it is definitely not as nice as this. This is, this is really, this is really good stuff. Um, but, but yeah, so we recommend them and kind of help them like custom fit their equipment based on their needs. So for example, like we've had people like build out full studios like this, which is awesome in their, in their office. Or we've also had people just use a closet. So it is, and you know, it's so funny, man. It, it varies. But, You'd be surprised when um, the closet show do way better. I'm telling everything you, else. Yeah. Let me tell you, man, some low production shows I've, I've worked on. They, they make the most money. I'm like, how in the world? Yeah. But it, it doesn't mean, but the funny thing about that is too, as soon as those kind of low production shows make money, they're like, yo, how do we upgrade this right now? Okay. Like they want to get the studio. They want to get the mic. They want to get the nice desk. They want to get the background. So you can tell there's a value. They, they value and see the next level production and they value and, and want to move into that as soon as possible. Uh, it's just that some people can't start there. I want to know something. Why did you do all this? Why did you get started? Why did you do all this? It was kind of a deep seated um, uh, want to show people I can do it. Like I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I grew up suburban family. Like we didn't have money problems. I was very blessed from a, from an early mm -hmm. age. Like, I was really blessed. We had to work our butts off, but you know, we, I, I, I never went hungry, hungry, right? So coming out of college, I kind of felt like people thought I was just going to go out and just be, go work at my parents' place again. Um, and I couldn't make it on my own. Like I kind of get that vibe from a lot mm. of people I was around and family and friends. And I was like, like, no, like you underestimated me. So I felt like I wanted to start something that I could do and do my own and build from scratch. Because I really felt like, like outside of my mom and dad, like I didn't think people really believed in me. So it was kind of like at first conceited and just kind of like realizing like I wanted to, I wanted to prove everyone wrong as, as weird as that sounds. Um, and then That's it kind of, yeah, yeah, it was, it was odd and it proved to myself that I could do it. You know, I didn't want to just go and work for my parents. I could have took my parents business over and, and made, made a lot of money, but I was like, I'm just, it's not fun. I don't like it. This is more fun. Um, 
So I think that's what it started with. And then it's kind of transitioned into like, I like serving people. I like working with people. I like seeing people get results with their podcasts. Like I love people sending screenshots like, yo, we just closed a client through our podcast. Like it's, it's awesome because you know you're making an impact. Um, so that's a great question. Why do we do this? But I think that's, it, it's it's evolved over the years. Probably like with your story, Beethoven, like, like it's it's probably evolved over the years as to why you're doing this, right? And now I kind of see it as like God's put me in this position for a reason. And I, I think part of the, to to add up that con, you know that question is, you know, why are you doing it? But would you hire yourself, and why would you hire yourself? Mm, I would, because I truly believe I'm the I'm the I'm the I'm, I'm the guy who's going to give them the best fighting damn chance to get what they want to get. So my ability to like my want to hire myself, why I would hire myself, is because I know I would do that for myself. Like I know I would do that for a client. I'm going to give them the best freaking chance to get to their goals. And, you know, even if I have to like, like, you know, we have 35 people on our team. Like if one of our team members isn't a fit, we'll figure out someone else who's a fit for them. If they're, if they're not like things aren't working or I'll jump in or my director of ops will jump in. Like we'll do whatever it takes to get the job done. Um, it's not always clean or, or not always like a pristine process, but I truly we'll believe, yeah, we'll figure it out and we'll make it work. You know what I mean? And if we can't, then I'm going to do my absolute best to find someone who can actually help you get to where you want to go. And I don't know, I mean, I'm not the most tech savvy or the smartest marketer or the best salesman, but I know in my heart of hearts, like that's the one thing I learned at the bakery when I was working with my parents, like they figured it out and they made it work and they just cared for people. So I, that's, and, and for me, why I would hire myself is because like, I know like at the end of the day, I'm going to do what I can to help this person as much as possible. Well, Lewis, um, <laughs> you basically very clear about it, man. No, nah, but thank you, man. Thank you for coming by, sharing your information, bringing value into the, you know, our guests. I mean, our, our viewers watching this. I believe po I'm all in for video podcasting and podcasting overall. And I love conversating with people that's in the same space because I think we all see it differently, but very some, you know, very close to each other, what we're doing. So anything else you want to add that I didn't cover or that you want to, Make sure that you leave the people with. Mm. I want to ask you a question. Yeah, let's get it. Let's have some fun. Let's do yeah. it. Um, why did you start this? What was your driving force? It goes back to value. I'm, I'm very similar to what you're saying. I, I'm in the space of marketing and branding, especially in digital content. Mm -hmm. So I knew if I could niche down a scalable product, like video podcasting, I'm able to 10x service, right? Bring value and reach the map. Mm. So I, I I knew there was something there, and I saw an industry that was growing expeditiously. I think I'm saying the right word. Um, and I wanted to be a tool for that. Got so it. it wasn't just about me creating a show for me. Yeah, it was about me bringing value into that space and I'm watching how fast it was growing. I was like, you know, if we specialize in this and we get prepared for the rush, we'll be, we'll be, a, a, you know, ahead of our, you know, our time. We'll be, right. we'll be in the right position. So I want to constantly bring value to that. And I saw a lot of people creating podcasts, but didn't, didn't have the whole full studio set. Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm from the recording studio. I'm from, audio, you know, you know, all these different, so I was like, let me just do it into podcasting. Mm, I see. You know, and constantly bring value, constantly bring value. So there's brands that were growing, but they needed to create content. Yeah. But if we create a, a, 
if we could create um, a video podcast, you're able to teach people. Yep. You're able to create content that could be shareable content that could be um, placed in multiple platforms. Yep. It was like a no brainer for me. You know, it was it was very clear video podcasting is the future. Yeah. It was very clear content creation is the is the now and forever. Um and I just saw an aggressive a business model that could really impact. I love it. In a major way. And so now my team and I, you know, we're aggressively building resources and tools to constantly bring value into the video podcasting space. Got it. And that's why it's important for me to partner up and build relationship. Hey, Lewis, you bring this in. Because the thing is, what I'm watching in this space, everybody try to do it themselves. Yeah, I tried. Every other yeah. industry, they're doubling down on partnering. Mm-hmm. They're they're scaling in so many different ways. I know the value that we could bring to you. You, I know the value you could bring to us. Well, how do we make that happen? Yep. And keep on developing this platform. So we went to FinCon couple months ago and we're going to podcast what's the name Movement? now podfest podfest i think it's called you know chris Atlanta. i'll make sure i connect you if not i think we met um i can't remember name i'm terrible with name i think i met <laughs> him he wears glasses that chris that yeah yep yeah, yeah we met he was so open he's a great guy he was yeah, like yeah. what do you he did tell us he was going to plug us in i think there's a couple groups locally mm-hmm. that there's the podfest local groups that i know he said he was gonna so i oh chris you owe me you're supposed to plug me <laughs> in with that yeah. but you know we want to we, we want to be part of this industry and we're students. So we're coming into this industry. We're student. We're super humble about what we're doing. We know we have something Yeah. because I don't see a lot of these spaces. And when I, even when I go into some of the spaces, I'm like, Oh, we got something here. You do from what our sets. And thank you for that. Mm-hmm. From our set design to our process, or our layout, all the wires. I mean, it's been a long time. A lot of money we invested on building a process for studio and production. Right. Right. And we believe we have something and we want to share it with more people, but we're very um, particular about who we service also. I love that. We don't service everybody. Right. We can't. We believe quality is important. We believe consistency is important. And we want to bring value to the space, mm-hmm. you know, and we're, once again, we're students. We don't, we don't know everything. Right. But we do know a lot. I love it. You know, so got a question in. You, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you for this. I think I know for sure. We're going to do some business together. I think there's a lot of opportunities um, in this space. And once again, is there anything else, Lewis, you want to leave with us? No, man. He's bringing um, us a $100,000 check tomorrow, he said. Yeah, 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 the 100K check, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah that's about it. No, thank you, man. Thank you for this again. Um, please let them know how to get in contact with you and how they could, you know, I think if we could also create some uh, affiliate link or some type of discount code if you can for your yeah, yeah. People, I'd love to share it in my platform and bring you value to that and vice versa, however we can build. So you got it. You got it. Um top10podcast.com is the is the main site. Um <clears throat> or just at Luis Ryan Diaz on Instagram. Um I answer all my DMs. Um so he does. Just, yep, shoot me a shoot me a message. Even if they get lost in like the the request, request folder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I check that a couple times a week. So yeah. All right. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. All right, guys. Goodbye. We're out.